You are listening to Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast. Swung on lines the deep left field. It is gone. It went deep right. Batista's going to wave goodbye. Start the fireworks show. This is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 168. I am your host, Matt Lyons, and in this week's episode, We'll discuss some meatballs, some things that happened in Cleveland baseball over the last week. Talk about Fran Mill Rice and Jose Ramirez breaking COVID-19 protocols and being sent home for at least a couple days. Have some over-unders for Josh Naylor, Aaron Savali, and others. And of course, we asked everybody a poll question on Twitter about who's most likely to be traded. We'll kind of discuss that, that question there and what it means, depending on who you voted, about how you probably feel about the team. You know, that, that kind of started a whole interesting thought bubble, I think. But um, get to all that and more with none of the Mr. Merritt Rolfing. Merritt, how you doing? I'm very well, Matt. How are you? It's good to be here, as ever. I'm doing good. It's uh, We had more baseball to watch. We actually got, I don't think we watched any in the last episode. Um, no. We know I've had a couple games. We had, there's, spring training makes no sense as far as what is broadcast where I've learned. Correct. Um, I, I started YouTube TV, which I mentioned last week, which is cool, but also they don't seem to know what is actually being broadcast and what isn't. Um, no team seems to know correctly. We didn't. I didn't think the Cleveland would be broadcast at all until like, the 10th, as long as you can watch them somewhere else, you could have watched them play the Cubs. They had another game that was broadcast. YouTube, YouTube TV said the Oakland game was going to be broadcast, but it wasn't. So it's not consistent, but it's there. It does seem like this multi-billion dollar a year uh, organization known as Major League Baseball sure is run like, I don't know. Are you suggesting Major League Baseball might not be the smoothest operation, Merritt? Is that what it's you're saying? It's run by two brothers now? out of their garage somewhere in <laughs> Omaha or something like that. I love it. <laughs> They're just a little startup, Merritt. Give it time. They're running a Kickstarter. I'll figure it out. You know, the thing about... See, I kind of work for a startup company. And the key here, Matt, is it's not really to deliver now. It's it's about it's about bringing money in now and growing to a certain point of uh, like a critical mass, I suppose, so you can be successful later. And I think that's what they're shooting for. So I get it. I get it. But And, and also, on the other hand, I, I also don't care about spring training. So even if they were together and they were in the second stage of their Kickstarter where they knew what they were doing in spring training... It's hard to care. <laughs> it's, I, I would have simulated way far ahead, and that would be the show by now. I would have hit that button and, and gone. Um, this is not an exciting time of year. I've tried to watch other games, too. Like, the first couple of innings, there's at least something going on. I do like the new rules where you can just sort of do whatever. Like, after 20. game. Yeah. 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 I think yeah. it like that. I think that legitimately is to stick around. Um, I get eventually, though, prospects in, uh, in the coming year, so it wouldn't be as necessary. But I like that you can just flip the game when there's 20 pitches that you can just call a game after if you only need eight innings. I think there's no sense in dragging out spring training. I mean, yeah, the entire point of this is to just get guys kind of reps and get back in the swing of things. It's not about nothing matters anywhere. Um, and so, right. my, my I mean, there's several bad. ties so far. So yeah. Like, it's like, well, we're done yeah. now. It's not a weather thing. Cause it's, it's, you know, 78 degrees and sunny every single day in, in Goodyear, Arizona. So, and there was at least one argument about whether or not to end the game. So that was fun. You know what never ends, man? Meatball. Meatballs, Barrett. They never end. Yeah, what's your meatball this week? What's your big juicy detail that we've had? It's more of a vague observation about why I hate, I hate spring training baseball. Because I've learned one of two things from this little kind of nugget of statistical evidence I've pulled up over the last couple of days. I just kind of One of the things that I like to pay attention to um, when I'm watching, and then specifically, you know, it's a growth thing, I think, uh, is a plate discipline and patience and things of that nature because 
you want guys swinging at balls that they can hit. Well, you know, we want guys like Bobby Bradley teeing off on pitches they can hit, not just, you know, whiffing horribly on a slider in the dirt, just as an example. Uh, now, either this is a blip of the stats or Bobby Bradley just sucks. But first of all, it's null for this year as far as pitches for plate appearance. But he for his uh, spring training career, he's at 1.753 pitches per plate appearance compared to in the regular season, albeit very, you know, it's not very many seasons. He's at 3.898. And I went through a couple other players like uh, Jake Bowers. He's at uh, first MLB spring training career, 1.898 pitches per plate appearance versus uh, 4.139. And it goes on down like that. You know, even like, uh, what's his name? Like Cesar Hernandez, known for taking a lot of pitches. He's at like, you know, 2.1. So either these guys just want to get up there, swing the bat and leave, or these goddamn stupid <laughs> statistics are all wonky and dumb and I can't glean any one, any one meaningful thing from them. So on top of the games being, you know, pseudo little league and they're set up because, you know, like, like they, they just kind of play until they're tired of playing or whatever, or they're just not actually playing the game the way they normally would. So either way, I'm just um, over it, I guess, is how I would describe it. So that's, uh, that, that's my meatball. I'm over spring training already. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. So yeah, mine is um, last year, I don't think. I believe the Indians were the only team to not throw a pitch over 100 miles per hour, which for a team that struck out as many batters as they did and as good of a pitching staff as they had, that's kind of incredible. But already in spring training this year, Emmanuel Classe, he did it three times, or he did it at least once against the Cubs on March 5th. Um, that's a game that was televised. That cutter is just ridiculous. Every pitch just moves, even if it's going 100. We can't see the speeds live, but obviously the reporters there can, and they they mentioned what it is and that cutter, like every single pitch is moving, whether it's going a hundred or 97. So that was ridiculous. He did three more today. He had a one, two, three inning, hit him hundred miles per hour twice. Um, Anthony ghosts. I think he hit hundred mile per hour and then same hat. Just, he didn't hit a hundred yet, but he is a guy that's capable of doing it. Um, he's done it before. I think he's got up like 96 in, in, um, I don't think he's pitched in spring training, but doing, um, just pitching on the backfield, he's gotten up pretty high. So he he'll probably get there too. So, but yeah, there's just so many relievers. Like Anthony Goes probably won't make it, and Sam Hatch just probably won't either right away. But they're going to at least hit. Somebody's going to get 100 miles per hour. It's probably going to be Emmanuel Classe multiple times just immediately. So that'll be cool. It's just fun watching. Um, I wish we had a radar gun to light up and look at it and it went on over, but we don't. But um, just knowing that it happened and just seeing him pitch has been really fun because obviously we haven't seen him since he was traded for Corey Kluber. Which, if he can, if this is him, if this is 100 mile per hour cutter, that is incredible for Cleveland. And him and James Karinchak, the back of the bullpen, it's going to be one hell of a one two punch. I don't know how much of the closer role is going to be determined by spring training performance, but if if Terry Francona is just going with my best pitcher is my closer, which might not be the best thing necessarily, but if that's what he's doing, then it's hard to not see it as class A right now unless there's something that points to maybe the steroids helped him or whatever but if he's already hitting 100 now and he's not on anything and he's seems to be recovered well i don't know how he's not the best reliever they have right now um i mean karen check obviously has his own potential but he is volatile as all hell so who knows if he's going to walk three batters and strike out three or just walk a bunch and give up a home run but as far as a consistent guy who can hit high numbers has some great pitches i'm really excited about class a and watching him pitch so far in spring training yeah, it's amazing because it's a it's movement that's not just typical cutter of just horizontal, you know, running away from the arm side. It's a lot of depth to it too, which is very fun. It's also uh, interesting that we're this exists now, and like even last year, like man, James Karinchak throws so hard. This is awesome, but no, actually, wrong. <laughs> this is hard, bitch. Yes, 
Well, I mean, obviously, Class A doesn't have the curveball that Karinczak does, but it's last year Karinczak's velocity looked incredible, and that's like what ninety six, ninety seven to Class A. That's nothing. Matt, Mariana Rivera survived in the in the majors with a cutter, and that's all the way through. So, ergo, Class A is literally more of a Mariana Rivera. That's what I'm saying to you right now. That's that's a guaranteed Hall of Fame. Is I mean, no Class A. I believe what we're saying. Uh, but yeah, those are our meatballs this week. It's fun. We have to get to watch games and have stuff to talk about, but. Um, and be mad at stats that are useless. So, you know, it's great. Spring training, <laughs> what else baby. balls other than be mad at stats? <laughs> um, but yeah, this last week, obviously, there was something not great that happened. Fran Reyes and Jose Ramirez, after Friday's game, they went to, um, they drove to Ma- the Friday's game in Mesa, Arizona, and then they went out. Um, Jose Reyes got a haircut, and then Ramirez, Fran and Cubs pitcher Pedro Stolp went out to just have a little dinner inside, inside of a restaurant without masks, and they took pictures, and Fred Reyes posted a video of it on Instagram and tagged Pedro Strop. <laughs> so um, it's just bad decisions all around were made. Pedro is also going to be, he's not, nobody's like suspended. They're just away from the team. Um, the, I believe they saw that uh, Fred Reyes and Jose Ramirez could have came back as early as that this afternoon. They'll probably be back by tomorrow, uh, Tuesday afternoon. Um, as long as all their tests are negative, they'll, they'll be fine to be back. But just not good judgment. I mean, this isn't like end of the world stuff, but that's still a really stupid pretty selfish thing to do to go out in a pandemic, even if it's not to the same level of what Zach Plesak and Mike Clevenger did last year, where they snuck out in the middle of the night, came back and lied about it, and then got on a plane with their teammate who survived cancer and was extremely high risk individual. So it's not that level. I'm, I get that people aren't reacting the same and I don't think they should be, but it's also just obviously a very dumb thing. The fact they took a video of it and tagged somebody in it. Um, they did come back and they self-reported it. That's also another I think small plus in their side. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they self-reported it because somebody saw him post that and said, Oh, by the way, Fran Mill, this is not good. You should probably mention that you did this. So there wasn't hiding it. They weren't trying to hide it, I guess. Um, unless he just subconsciously takes Instagram videos and posts them. Maybe they were, but it's not great. Not a great look, especially considering Fran Mill did it last year for 4th of July. He was out. And again, I believe he posted a picture of himself on 4th of July without a mask. So, he is not great at maintaining this, which... You know, it's funny, though. The haircut thing happened to uh, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid of the 76ers, too. And they, they got to miss um, a similarly pointless activity within their own life uh, in the yeah. All-Star game. So it's kind of funny. They're just like, uh, yeah, I was uh, exposed. I don't know. So let's get it there too often. It's, 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 funny it's essentially it. what it was. They got to go get a haircut, uh, get a nice uh, dinner inside, and then just came back and said, oh, by the way, I was exposed. Can I be gone for a couple days? Yeah, because you couldn't just say you're good, you want a couple days off and then go out to eat. So they kind of did both. But I mean, yeah, like I, it's it's not as bad as what Please Second Clevenger did. It's still bad just because it seems more the, boneheaded than um, than anything else, honestly. At the very, very least, it was stupid to violate MLB's rules because they are rules, whether it's it's too strict or not, that they can't be indoors. They can't uh, be around groups of 10 people. They can't do all this stuff. Um, but it, it, whether you think it's bad or not, the fact is they broke the rule and they they were just gone for a couple of days. So it, it didn't seem like even Terry Francona was too upset about it. He just basically said it's up to MLB to decide when they come back now. And they're enforcing their rules. He, he said they weren't uh, they weren't about to or they weren't looking out to like hang on to anybody out to dry just because they they broke the protocols. But still stupid either way, even if it does seem like it's winding down to places we are, you know, in the middle of a pandemic, which is kind of an important thing. But I'm almost a little, I don't think I'm upset. It's just kind of funny that they're like, yeah, I'm more upset with, um, you know, we're not going to do anything about it, but it probably should. it's almost like the, the, the league's own rules are pointless nothingness in, in that case, if you think about it that way. So 
Yeah, because I mean they're not penalized. Like no, nothing. Literally nothing happened. Like again, they got a day off, and they just got to go and hang out, and you know, post something on Twitter saying sorry guys, and that's you know we're not going to see see or hear anything else from it. So um, again, I mean if they're just literally trying to get a day off, great flex. I, I can't be mad at them. It's stupid. I can be mad at them actually, but. Yeah. And although on uh, on Sunday, we don't know for sure if they would have started or not, but uh, Yu Chang started at third base. And uh, since he's clearing, he's taking over Jose Ramirez's spot. So maybe he just lost it there. Yo, what is... if he just took Jose Ramirez's spot just now by hitting dingers forever? I, I... <laughs> I've never seen Jose Ramirez at home runs to every field in the span of three games. Uh, I have. Has. I'm pretty sure we <laughs> he probably, probably has, but yeah. <laughs> I don't recall it this exact second. So <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm going to pretend it never happened. But yeah, it happened. It's not a, I mean, it's probably over by the time this podcast comes out. It's just something kind of to mention that wasn't a great look for either of them that they did it and broke it. I mean, well, you know, I mean, it's, it's funny too, because Cleveland in general just happens to do great. Um, week as far as PR and stuff oh, is yeah. concerned. Great so, offseason. Just, just <laughs> all around. They're doing just so in good. general. I mean, it's funny when you open up Twitter and it says, yeah, it looks like the Mets extension from Francisco Lindor is going to be moving swiftly and easily. I'm like, boy, all right. Where's that hemlock? This is great. All right. Just um, let's keep it rolling, boys. This is fantastic. But yeah, it's great, great week. Terrible be. next. Yeah. We'll just... What's next, do you think, Matt? What's the next stupid bullshit we have to, do, we have to think about because we're a fan of this team? The, the only next immediate thing I could think of is to like come out and say the name is not going to be changed or they're just going to do they've gone back and they want to be tried or just be the Cleveland baseball team. Just a terrible decision thinking, about the name. I was thinking maybe on field wise, like uh, Jimenez or, or Chang will just continue to utterly obliterate the baseball and then they'll send them both back down. We'll be like, what the f-? <laughs> like, Just for no good reason at all. <laughs> well, well, like uh, Rosario is just hitting 100. Uh, with somehow negative on base percentage or something like that. And I did see that Terry Pluto thinks that Jimenez could be the starting shortstop, so maybe that won't happen. That's kind of the hope that... Because, I mean, he has hit well, and I think he's better than Rosario. I want him to be the starting shortstop. Oh, 100%. I mean, I, there comes a point, you know, I mean, obviously I understand manipulating the service time, but, like, Jimenez isn't that young at this point. Like, you're you're you're, you're just kind of being very nakedly awful about things. It went with your sitting there. What is he, 24 or something like that? He... Well, he's 22, so he's a little bit younger than I think. Never mind. I think it all back. But... He's way too young. <laughs> get back here. Get out of here, kid. Come back to me when you can uh, grow, a, grow a mustache. Oh, you can? Um, You know, it's a, it's a euphemism. Shut up. Yeah, I mean, he's 22, and he, he skipped AAA. So if they – his is almost – I, don't, I, th- I still think there's no reason he shouldn't be the opening day starter, but they have more cover for it if they do. I mean, because he played last year, he was fine. There's opposing pitchers didn't get a chance to adjust to him, so I'm sure he wouldn't have hit that well all year. But um, I mean, they better than say Rosario. He's young was, and they haven't played triple. Yeah, he's better than Rosario. He's the best they have, which is if they're saying they're a winning team, just get the best stuff you have now. Second best um, after Yu Chang, obviously. Well, obviously. <laughs> the best. Um, he, Yu Chang he's can play anywhere, to be clear. I, I, I was reading an article today, just not to change the subject too much, I was reading an article about the, the battle between Bradley and, and Bowers, and I was like, my head was like, well, what about Chang? <laughs> Yu Chang, first baseman. It could happen. More athleticism, right? You know, as, as I learned from the movie Moneyball, it's very easy to play first base. So just do it, is all I'm saying. Just please do that instead. That'd be funny. I do think that I mean, Chang's going to play somewhere, right? If he's not the super utility guy, I, I don't know where he goes because unless he's, unless he is the starting shortstop at Andres Jimenez, they still manipulate his service time by starting him in AAA and starting Yu Chang at shortstop and like Rosario as the utility guy or in the outfield or something. But um, I, mean, I don't know how much Yu Chang's spring's performance has impacted how much they actually think about him. But. Yeah, like that's the question. Like how much. I don't have any evidence or, or information on this right now. It's just something I've thought about like, kind of absently lately. Like, how much would a player have to, like, a fringe, just kind of whatever, you know, like, I mean, he's barely a top 
10 or 15 prospect in the, in the, in the organization, probably. And that's just, you know, whatever, but how much would he have to hit in order to force the hand of, of the team? Right. Like if he, if he gets 600, the rest of the, of the of spring training and was just blasting the ball everywhere, like what change would that force on them? Like, would they just trade Cesar Hernandez? Would they put him in the outfield? I mean, I'd, I'd be okay with that, but like, what, can, off the top of your head, can you think of other times when that's been what, where the hand of a team has been forced because a guy just mashed? I, I, I mean, obviously, Joe Sharman, I was a guy whose name comes up. That was in like 1983 uh, when it comes to uh, Cleveland. So I'm, I, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head. But is anyone come to your mind when you think of someone trying to do that or doing that? I can't. I don't. I can't imagine how good you'd have to be in spring. I mean, obviously, there's a line. Like if you start from the opposite end and say they homer in every single at bat, you're you're going to start them, but. <laughs> You got to work your way back from that. I'm not sure what the line would be. It'd have to be crazy. I can't, can't even think of anybody off the top of my head. You either just you're just working on things in spring training, and most of the stuff is set, and maybe like a fringe guy is being shifted to another fringe role. But I don't think you start anybody based on how much they're crushing in spring training. But if you do, I mean, Gabriel Arias right now, seven plate appearances, uh, six hits. <laughs> uh, he's he's uh he's what, at what point is that not including service time merit if they don't start yeah. Gabriel Arias? I would say if it was a pitcher, it's easier to pitch your way onto a team because you can suddenly show up and show something like Adam Adovino showing that he's no longer a fringe reliever because he spent all you know winter developing you know kill pitches and stuff like that. But I would actually bet that happens quite a bit with pitchers, especially bullpen arms where anybody can go anywhere. Like if a, a reliever comes in, like if Anthony Ghost suddenly had a bunch of control and was throwing 100 miles per hour, I think he pitches his way onto the team easily. But he doesn't have the control yet. But if if that suddenly grows, I think you just you can ride that, especially because bullpen isn't like a big it's not the same as like replacing your starting shortstop if he hits well like if any if your eighth or ninth reliever is incredible and throws really hard you can just take a chance on him because he has a good spring i think uh, all right so what do you say we talk about uh, some under overs for the upcoming season we're we're coming toward the end now we're coming to a couple interesting players i think our first one is somebody we talked about especially last week because he's sticking in right field is josh naylor zips puts him at 520 plate appearances 15 home runs four stolen bases 8.1 walk rate 15.4 strikeout rate uh, 99 WRC plus 0.7 war. This is one that uh, Matt Schlichting took. He took the over. Um, he kind of had an interesting. I don't know how much to actually read into this, but it was it was an interesting way to look at it. That Josh Naylor, every time he plays, like when he gets his first round of roughly decent playing time at each level, he's a pretty bad hitter. Like in 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 single A and a higher A in 2016, he was really bad the first time around. He was 62 WRC plus. The following year, when he was in that same level again, he had 119 WRC plus. Double A in 2017, he had an 88 WRC plus. The following year, also at Double A, he had 128 WRC plus. So, I mean, Major League Baseball, when he was between 2019 and 2020, he was a below average hitter at 84 WRC plus. So, what does he do when he gets another large batch of plate appearances where he gets to adjust to everything and maybe see the same quality of pitchers and get better against them? Maybe he is a suddenly an amazing hitter. <laughs> I don't know if he could be. Um, just basically following that same pattern, he got what Matt brought up was a header that's 272, 360, 472, 20 home runs, um, a two and a half or almost three war, 2.9. It's it's not a perfect thing, I don't think, but that's if that's what he is, I'm okay with him turning into that. My, Matt basically said it's Mike Napoli, which is pretty accurate. Like, yeah, Napoli never 272, hit 372, 360, yeah, like if that's what he is, then. Because he's a guy like if you look at his minor league numbers too, he doesn't strike out a ton. No, that's it. I mean, because the thing that that more surprised me with these these projections was the walk rate. Quite honestly, being at eight point one percent, just because my 
my own specific exposure to him has been him not walking because um, I didn't watch him in San Diego, obviously. But again, he had a 9% walk rate there, and that was in twice as many games, um, more than twice as many games than he spent than he had in all 2020. And obviously, he was also not in the midst of it. Um, so, because uh, I, I just uh, while you were talking, I, I reached over and grabbed my um, the, my prospectus annual as well to see where they put him. And I mean, yeah, you know that, that that's the thing. Like, it's if he's a twenty three home run guy, like I would take the over on this one hundred percent. I I think he'll hit. He, he has too much power. I think they only hit only fifteen. He's gonna play. He's gonna get five hundred plate appearances. And if he's walking that much, I don't know. I I think he's gonna be more effective in than they're getting credit for, which that would bump him. I don't know if it'd be as high, I'm as high as him as Matt's, um, you know, subtle math um, puts him, but like like a 110 WRC plus, right? 275, 340, 460, something like that, right? Uh, so like a Woba in the, in the 340, 350s range, something like that, just because if the walks hold, I think there'll be more power, same number of strikeouts. That makes a lot of sense to me, I think. Yeah, but I take the over 100% definitely. I, th- I think we better than this. Like you said, he, he's always gotten better when he spends more time there. And um, I know we were talking about it. It was not. It was mentioned uh, on our Slack channel this afternoon. But like, it just feels like last year didn't happen. Almost right. Like I'm, I'm just I'm kind of throwing out most of what I saw from last year as far as like like a conclusions drawn on players because it's just a little of anything. And honestly, dude, if you get, if you end up with Mike Napoli out of a 23 year old, like that's, ins- that, that, that's really good. Cause Mike Napoli was that good when he was like older than that, like 32 or something like that. Right. I'm, I'm just pulling Napoli's numbers from when he was on the team. Oh, he was kind of fell off a cliff there towards the end. That was ugly. I mean, when he was with Cleveland, this is almost exactly what, I mean, he would strike out less and walk less compared to the projections from In 2009. When, the, when Mike Napoli, Matt, yeah. When, when Mike, Mike, Mike Napoli was on the angels, between the ages of 25 and 28, he hit 256, 343, 492, uh, an average 19 home runs a year. I mean, yeah, that's basically what I think Naylor could do. And also he was catching, so you, you got to think, uh, yes, that makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, Matt took the over. I think both of us are pretty easily on the over. And uh, 89% agreed with the over, 11% under. So uh, next one I think is an even easier one, <laughs> Aaron Savali. Um, this is one where um, it's just I don't think Zips catches up to whatever he's doing. Uh, 475 ERA, 472 FIP, 140 innings, 25 games, 7.3 strikeout per nine, 2.5 walks per nine, one point one and a half uh, fangraphs for That's, nope, he's going to rock it over that like a million. Even if he didn't make these big changes and he basically looks exactly like Lucas Giolito, there's no way I think he goes under that. I, I If he hits 200 innings, he's going to get Cyan votes. I honestly think that. He is the kind of pitcher who that I love watching grow and the Cleveland is so good at doing that with. He's the type of pitcher that's made, that has made my life writing about this team fun, basically, because it's just being able to see what the, see any kind of weird little potential in there, and then they just fully actualize all of it. And yeah, if, if he hits 200 innings, I think he's going to. He won't win the Cy Young anything, but I think he'll get Cy Young votes. Like, like he will. He was, he's going to be. He's going to be the number two. No, I think he will surpass um, Kleszak this year as far as the number two. Why do I think that, you ask? I don't know. Whatever. Shut up. <laughs> I mean, he's uh, made that change. Like, I, yeah. I brought up Lucas Giolito. Like, he looked, they look exactly the same. It's not a guarantee he's going to have as much 
success as he did. But also, like, when you watch the way he throws now, <laughs> they compare it to, like, throwing a football because it's, like, up by your ear more. Like, when you watch that and then watch the old way he threw, like, the old way just looks painful almost because their arm is so extended. It makes so much more sense to throw it in this more compact way. And he's also going to have a splitter now, like Kenta Maeda has. It's, I, I don't think that came up a whole lot in his start. I didn't see it very much. But Well, you know, I mean, it, it's... it's uh, with him. We only work also... on so many things at a time, but I'm, right, I'm sure exactly. it's going to show up eventually. I'm not going to sit here and, and lean on his splitter because he's still going to be a... a you know, a sinker, cutter, change, curve kind of guy. Just throwing everything out there. Just, just kind of just garbage, out. just garbage bullying his way through there. So, um, yeah, this, I mean, again, if you, someone, I can't, I can't remember what it was on Twitter, but we were all comparing him to Josh Tomlin or something like that. It's like Josh Tomlin did not hit, that was not hitting low to like low 90s with everything, basically. Like, I know he's, I know that Savali is not a threat to blow you away, but he's very much a threat to make you look like an absolute idiot. So yeah, there's a lot of just lazy comparisons for Aaron Savali. Like even watching that game, cause it was the Brewers broadcast who had it. They were very clearly just looking at the, the box score and just, they call him a garden variety right-hander who doesn't do anything well, but he just kind of is out there and like, it's shut up. It's he does literally try everything. Well, he does like, right. that's a, that's, see, I don't know. And maybe it's because it makes me feel superior. Which is why I like players like this, because like, I recognize immediately that he does he, he doesn't do anything excellently, but he does everything very well. Like every single one of his pitches is you know what you know who he reminds me of? Is Carlos Carrasco in that way. Carlos Carrasco, once he became a starter, was he didn't have the best of that pitch on the team, but I, I, I was always throwing my belief that he had the best overall repertoire in terms of um he could. I, I think he could go to any pitch and get someone out with right? because obviously, like uh, Kluber, could just go to his slider like a maniac. Could just go fastball slider a lot, or uh, Bauer had like his curveball and stuff like that. And ba- Bauer just made a leap towards uh, towards the end of his time with the try. But I was I, I was always firm. I believe that Carrasco was very much a a jack of all trades kind of a guy, and I think that's very much what Savali is. I think Bieber is also that type of pitcher, which I think is really cool that they're kind of creating these guys. And I think um, Plezak is likewise kind of like that because. None of them throw a fastball more than 40% of the time, I don't think. Yeah, no, it's a clear trend. I mean, this is all, it's linked back to Ruben Niebla, we've talked about before. He's like, as soon as they lose him, I'm terrified for this team because he's not going to be, they've either got to just keep promoting him and give him whatever he wants, or he's going to go somewhere and own the world because he's, at this point, I think he's behind, I mean, what, Bieber, Plezak's emergence, Savali doing what he's doing now. I don't know, man. How many many times have we been saying this, right? Like, it it happens every single time. I know, when is it not true, though? (laughs) It's true every time. Well, it's well, no. It's like every time they lose someone, it's like this was the brain man behind the brain trust. It's organizational at this point. Like, yeah, please act throwing a, through a fastball thirty seven percent of the time this year. Like, maybe you're right. Maybe there was Niebla, lose Niebla, and it's a big problem. But I don't think so. I I think they'll be fine because organizationally, they you can't have someone like that and just be like, well, he must just be magic. We won't worry about it or try and duplicate it in some other way. Yeah, in case yeah I'm sure what he's back. doing, he's he's like spreading that through the organization too, like whatever. Because I mean, their big thing is always now that they've linked development to scouting, so they they're they're talking more than. So it is definitely organizational too, but I think Niebla is just one of the best ones at doing what he does where they are. So I mean, again, we did say that about Mickey Calloway like five years well, ago. So did we ever actually say that about Mickey Calloway? I don't. Yes, know. dude, come on. Okay. <laughs> it's pretty clear now he was not one hundred percent. He was, right. if anything, he was an impediment. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, he, that's the yeah. and that's the thing. Like they lose guys, and it just it's like fuck. That's it. He was man. Yeah, and then then they bring people in. We think it's going to end. Like, um, yeah. 
Listen, I I don't remember that... ever saying anything specific with Callaway though. We would always thought like, oh, he's such a good pitching coach because the pitchers are good. Like it must be a connection there. Like maybe you know, but there yeah. wasn't. And then, um, <laughs> there clearly was not. No. <laughs> and then you know, and then like I, I honestly was like worried that when they brought in like Carlo Willis, I was like, oh man, he's all old school. And guess what? We had a guy with a, tr- a pitching triple crown. And yeah. you know, oh, I didn't like, think about it. Yeah, like Carl Willis is there just doing his thing now, whatever the hell he does. He's, just, he's doing nothing. He's like clapping. Good work. Yeah. Good pitch. There we go. Yeah. Like, Good stuff. I like it. You know what? I'm a big Carl Willis guy now because he's just kind of sleeping in the background all the time. <laughs> he Him stays out of the way, which at this point, if you're the pitching coach for the Cleveland, that's what you got to yeah. do. They know what Him they're doing. Berkeley, they learn from each other. Just stay out of the way. Now, one of them should probably get in the way of it more, but what are you going to do? <laughs> Uh, and yeah, as far as Savali, that's obviously 95% over, 5% under. Everybody pretty much agreed. Um, our next one, Cesar Hernandez, obviously one of Cleveland's, well, I guess, bigger yep. <laughs> acquisitions Big of the offseason. splashes is what I refer to this one as, yeah. <laughs> Zips projects 647 plate appearances, 11 home runs, 8 stolen bases, 9.5 walks, 19.6 strikeout rate, um, one one and a half war, 89 WRC+. plus. So not quite up to... Um, I guess his little mini renaissance he had last year with Cleveland, but not a bad season, I guess, compared to what they could have at second base. But um, I don't know. This isn't a great projection. I would say over just because I think I'm just I think it's over. I think he's closer to the 110 he had last year. It, it, it seems kind of weird that Zips knocks him down so far. Considering I know. I'm he's only had it. one like, year under average in the last four, and then Zips is like, oh, get down. You're done. <laughs> In the last five, in the last five, even I mean, last time he was a below average hitter was Third five, yeah, was I mean. 2015. It was he was still a 91 WRC plus. Like he wasn't horrible by any stretch of the imagination. He's gotten better, so he had that weird outlier here in 2019. But it's just it, it is bizarre how I, I, Zips is a conservative. It's not I don't think it's quite as conservative as um, baseball perspectives, uh, Pagoda, but it, it does always seem to run kind of low. Because uh, Steamer has him at 90, even 95. Um, I don't know what the hell the bet is. Uh, somebody, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 I just I feel like taking the over, not because I'm bold on him, but because this just seems unnaturally low. He walks, he takes so many pitches. He walks so much uh, for his position. And he hits so many goddamn doubles. Like, I think it'll be, I don't know. This is really when it comes to wins by replacement. I think 1.5 is seriously underselling. He's never even been close to that since he was a full-time starter. So. Yeah, he was almost uh, two last year in the limited yeah, exactly. time that he was there. He was great on defense. Like he was, inc- he was incredible. Honestly, he was really good in twenty twenty. Like, I, I don't think he'll be that good, but I think he'll be an average hitter, quite honestly. And, and you know, he's whatever. always going to be good on defense, unless I mean, aging is a thing. There's a curve that has to be put in somewhere, but I don't think it's quite as hard as Zips is taking. And he's not going to be playing next to Francisco Lindor anymore, which sucks. Um, but Jimenez and Rosario. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you saw, but uh, Rosario. It, they went back and did some recharting about for um, defensive, defensive stats. Run saves, yeah. And he comes out a little bit better on that. So again, it's not quite the Lindor I mean, effect still, is gone. He's still but, bad. Like it's not like he became a great defender. He went from negative nine to negative three. So. Listen, you jerk. You know I'm trying to be nice, uh, but it's whenever Jimenez is there, it's going to be good for Hernandez and everybody because he is clearly a very good glove at shortstop. Um, just depends on when he starts there. But I, I, so so he might take it on defense. I'm um, just trying trying to do more, um, especially depending on what happens with at first as well. Like Carlos Santana was a good defensive first baseman. It makes life, life a little bit easier. I think I think in that case that's why we would prefer Bowers. But um, I'll t- like you said, I I I take the over not because I'm excited, but because I don't think he'll be that bad. I don't think he'll be 89 WRC plus. Like that's like Jason Kipnis Mark II. 
Yeah. And I mean, after watching Kipnis on defense, as much as I loved him, that was not pretty. And then we get Hernandez, which is a, a big bump. <laughs> um, 90% said over on that one, 10% under. That's a pretty other clear one. Uh, our next one, last one for this week, Roberto Perez. Um, still one of my favorite players on the team. I don't care. He's, he was bad, terrible to offensively last year. 2019 is looking more and more. Or no, what was that? 2019? 2019, yeah, was, 24 home runs, yeah. When he was almost an average bat, that's looking like it might be maybe a tiny bit of an aberration. I don't know. But last year was weird. Um, Zips has him at 362 plate appearances, 11 home runs, um, 9.7 walk rate, 30.9 strikeout rate, 65 WRC plus, 1.2 war. Um, I, I, I take the over on this one just because I like him so much. I think it could very well hit this bad and be under, but also be worth more than what war puts him at just because of his if you're taking the va- the word value at its true face of how valuable he is as the team you can't really measure yet his framing his defense his overall just handling a pitching staff i think all of that will just outperform whatever his war is uh, i think 1.2 maybe he does he hits with that poorly like maybe he can't hit 24 home runs again and he strikes out 30 percent of the time i mean he is what going on 30 32 he'll be 32 right now, this yeah. whole year so I mean, he's not a young catcher. He hasn't. He doesn't have the wear and tear on his knees because he hasn't been a starter forever. But I think we'll see him in a decent amount of starts, maybe more than we'd expect a 32-year-old catcher. Who's And he also slimmed down a lot, too. I mean, that's a thing that always comes up this time of year. But it's very clear. Just looking at Roberto when you see him in spring training, he looks so much different behind the plate. Like So I think that might help his knees and his aging curve a little bit, maybe. Um, so I don't know. I think his defense is not going to waver at all, and he's going to hit, I would hope, better than 65 WRC+. Plus. So I think I take the over on this one. I mean, I look at these numbers and think to myself, a major leaguer couldn't hit that poorly, could they? And then I look back to his, you know, give you an example, 2018 when he hit 168, or 2020 when he hit 165, or 2016 when he hit 183, or, you know, 207 in uh, 2017. He's got a history of not being a good hitter. That's the thing. So. He's a bad hitter. Like, <laughs> so, but it's just the numbers all seem so low. I can't in good conscience say, I guess this is one of those where I just want to say push or I don't want to say anything because I just, I feel like a major leaguer should get on base 30% of the time, but he has once in his entire, twice in his entire career. So um, like you said, it is looking like 2019 may have been a bit of aberration, but again, we last year was a weird one and um, kind of got to toss the whole damn thing out uh, because I don't know, though. Strikeouts are going up, and he certainly showed a propensity to not hit the ball at all in uh, 2020 and every other year he's played baseball, basically. So I'll still take the over, but not 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 with any happiness uh, because these numbers are garbage. And, <laughs> not um, going to be good, but... No, I keep I, saying I, I, I think the defense will still show up there, and um, will it be worth more than 1.2 wins of every placement? Um, I think on paper, maybe not, but I think in real life, maybe. Yeah, I feel I feel uncomfortably comfortable about that. Sure. I also like that. I mean, Zips is a coward. It did not project a stolen base for Roberto Perez. Yeah, what the but hell? Steamer did. <laughs> the bat did. Um, a couple other things did. Because did you know that? Do you remember Roberto Perez's stolen base in 2018? That whole that was a fun one. That was. Um, so who was it against? I'm trying to look. Against the White Sox, he hit a ball. He hit it to the outfield. He didn't run the ball out very hard, which was the thing. Um, Rick Manning during that game, he went on a several minute long rant against Roberto Perez because he didn't hustle when he hit the ball to the outfield. So <laughs> he could have made it a second and he didn't. He was at first, but for no real reason, he stole second. I don't know if it was to make up for the lack of hustle, but he stole on a pitch. It wasn't like an egregious pitch where he had to steal or anything. He just kind of did. And it was amazing because he's Roberto Perez and he doesn't do that. So he does have one stolen base to his name. I think it'd be kind of cool if he finishes with just the one. And it's such a unique one because it came when 
he clearly didn't hustle running out of ball as for as slow as he is. I think he hustles quite a bit. You remember he had that, that period where he didn't hit forever, but he still tried to get to second base when he had to get a hit. So yeah, it's you like at that game. It was incredible. Yeah. <laughs> it was in Baltimore. It was wonderful. Just a, just a wonderful moment. Yeah. yeah. So it's not like he doesn't hustle all the time. It's just this one time he didn't. And then he also steals a base to make up for it. Um, I don't know. Roberto Perez always has a special place in my heart because Dakota also projected um, him to have a stolen base. See, he's going to do it. Is this the year he and- gets a second? stolen base and a triple hmm, interesting <laughs> what the hell <laughs> he has four of those so maybe that could happen well, all right i guess the ball could wander around somewhere and just fall into someone's pocket by accident or something yeah i would think that's probably more likely than falling into a stolen base right because you'd have to a triple could happen just because of that. If somebody doesn't get to a ball in time, it's not you could get a stolen base on a triple against a reliever who is maybe mopping up with a backup catcher. There's like a, there's like a series of events that could come together that make more sense to me than him, than him getting a triple. And they all, they're all just like, it has to be a perfect confluence of all these kind of disparate little bits of time too. But yeah, yeah Gary Sanchez so, behind the plate. And then it doesn't matter exactly. Who's Gary Sanchez behind the plate, some reliever who just doesn't, you know, to hold, honestly, you know, who'd be a good person for him to steal a base on would be, um, uh, Araldus Chapman. He's very bad at holding people on. So that that would be a funny one, actually. A guy who's just throwing 105. <laughs> and then Alberto takes off on him. That'd be good. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah. His... Dakota calls it a useful bonus if he gets 20 dingers. And honestly, that's, I think that's how we all, we all look at him. Like, Cleveland kind of comes to the plate with a handicap, just come playing with only, you know, eight hitters, effectively. So, yeah. I mean, that's always the way I saw Roberto, too. Because you remember, like, back in. What was like 2015 2016 he walked a lot like his thing for the longest time was he could walk and he might run into a home run once in a while yeah and then 2019 where happened where he walked a lot less but he hit a bunch of home runs you're like what the hell he can hit now and last year he couldn't so i'll be interested to see another full season of him actually getting the hit i don't know if last year was just again it feels like it didn't happen and it feels like we can throw it out so easily because everything is so weird and it's funny his whiff rate has actually dropped a little bit each, each of the last three years so maybe he's actually have a late career uh, renaissance as a, a great hitter. So silver slugger is what you're saying. Is what I'm saying to you here, Matthew, is a silver slugger. Because right now, who's the best uh, hitting catcher in the American League? I don't even know, quite honestly. Gary Sanchez? I don't know. Yeah, the, the Yankees hate him. So um, Why can't I think of the White Sox catcher who I wanted the Indians to get at one point? Oh, Yasmani Grandal. Yeah, there you go. That's probably him. Yeah, it's probably him. Or the, or the the dude on the on the twins also. Uh, I mean, he's kind of good, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Mitch Garver, yeah, he might he might hit all right. I don't know. Oh, oh, I, I was going to say fun. the other one, the, the the short little wide man. Why can I think of names right now? I know. You're I know. About damn, we're, we're, the guy we're, never misses. He never he swings at everything, but doesn't we're, miss. We're good speaksters. I'm, I'm pulling up his information. Yeah, but anyway, eighty six percent agreed with Roberto Perez. They said over fourteen under. So. I think that's one. I think everybody just loves Roberto at this point. <laughs> Even if you don't think he's going to hit, they'd want him to be over that, which is fair. Um, so yeah, we'll finish up those next week. We'll have just a couple more left. Um, if you want to join the conversation on it, let's go tribe.com. There's still a couple that we'll talk about this week and then we'll mention them on the podcast next. But last thing we'll do this week is Studio. there you go. That's the one. He's really fun. The, what, is, what is his name? The turtle, I think. La Tortuga. Is that him? It's, that is turtle. Yeah, that's his nickname, which I think is great. But yeah, we asked everybody on Twitter what their... So th- this poll question, I, I think it's interesting because it it's... On the surface, it's just talking about which player is going to be traded. That's the question. Who is most likely to be dealt by the 2021 deadline? Ahmed Rosario, Eddie Rosario, Tristan McKenzie, Nick Whitgrain. But it's like four 
choices, but it's also there's more unto it depending on more under it depending on what you pick. Like if you pick Ahmed Rosario, I think you're thinking that um, Andre Jimenez comes up, he's fine, he sticks, and then Rosario is just trade bait at the end because he still has some control. Eddie Rosario, if you pick him, I think it's pretty clear that you believe the roster is done, this team is cooked. Like if if Cleveland's competing and they don't need to. Like, unless Nolan Jones is just amazing and Daniel Johnson is great in right field, then there's almost no reason they trade Eddie Rosario if they're still competing. So, I mean, picking him means you think the team is is terrible and they're selling. Tristan McKenzie, it could go either way. Like, if if you think they're they're starting to sell and they can just get rid of this guy with a bunch of control. Also, I think you could make the case that trading Tristan McKenzie means they're trading him for, like, an, an immediate impact bat. Like, it's another trade they've had which we wanted Mike Clevenger to be. We didn't think it was with Josh Naylor. Maybe it turned out to be where they get a big um, bat right away if they're competing. So that one can go either way. Nick Whitgren, I think that could go either way as well. Like, if you just think they're they're selling and he's, like, one of their, their third or fourth best reliever, they just get rid of him. Again, maybe they're competing and they trade him for, like, package him with McKenzie or somebody else who needs a lot of pitching help and you get a better bat. So... This is just kind of a big Rorschach test where I think you can, whatever you what? make of it, when you look at it, you can what kind of uh, test? determine. Uh, Mary, it's a Rorschach test. Did I pronounce <laughs> that right? Did you we, sure did. You're a winner, bud. That's awesome. Good. I'm glad <laughs> we reviewed that before the podcast. I had my big moment and you ruined it because I was looking right at the pronunciation guide as I was doing it. I am a jerk. Do, 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 do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who did you vote for for this one, Mary? I didn't vote. I forgot to. I was working. Uh, and then I worked out and then I and then the poll ended. So I do not. I did not. If you cared about our podcast, Merritt, who would you have voted for? Um, I would abstain, Matt, because I would want to maintain journalistic integrity. <laughs> I voted for Ahmed Rosario. <laughs> Honestly, I think it's something that makes sense. Um, uh, Tristan McKenzie, come on. Um, these under massive amounts of control. Nick Wickren, why would you trade him? Who, I, I can know. That's, that one's more of a how would you trade him? Because, like, who's going to take, I don't know. What are you going to trade him for? I guess would be the real question. Uh, maybe in a package or something. But I made a Rosario makes sense, as uh, several made it, in the comments made a point. Right? Like you said, it's uh, position of strength. Obviously, they have Yu Chang, so they don't need any other middle infielders. Um, but really, they have Jimenez, and also they have Yu Chang, and also they have um, even for next year, right? You know what I mean? Like, I like they can figure out the uh, Hernandez situation at second later by, by putting Yu Chang there. Um, I'm big on Yu Chang. I don't know if you can tell. Uh, Matt wanted to include Yu Chang on this on this poll, and I I, I nixed it because <laughs> yeah, like how you stood on the Nick Whitgren option was that with your replacement <laughs> for Yu Chang. <laughs> Um, <laughs> they really got to add more options to this poll. I'm telling you, because I think Yu Chang's an interesting one too. Because it's, um, I would have said like it's the same thing, I guess, as McKenzie. If they trade him, if everything's working, I don't think you sell him if you're terrible. Because at that point, you sell somebody else and just plug in Yu Chang to fill them in. But if you think he's good, if the Indians are good, they could trade Yu Chang for somebody else with a package. But I do. I, 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 all right, so I like. I know I just poo pooed it, but I like the idea of training Tristan trading Tristan McKenzie because that just means like. That what that tells me then is that Aaron Savali is a fucking freight train, and they did have a they have a top three of just aces, and then their bullpen is stacked because Nick Whitgren is pitching out of his mind, and ever and the other three guys are also gods, and Hentges has turned into a superstar. Um, Logan, I would have clicked on Ahmed Rosario. Yes, that would be my choice because Eddie Rosario is going nowhere. Because like if you if he's hitting well, you're going to hold on to him because he's gone next year. If he's not, I guess I guess if they're bad, then you would trade him. 
Yeah, that's pretty much it because he's, he's a rental. So yeah. if he's bad, then you just get rid of him now. Yeah, I hate the 25.7% of people who voted for him. I'd imagine that's what all that was. That was, I hate this team. They're going to be bad. I'm going to vote for him. Yeah, rude ass jerks. Oh, it's only a quarter. <laughs> you can't trust a quarter. At any given time, you can't trust a quarter of all people. So. Yeah, and as far as trading McKenzie, like, is if if their rubric for trading pitchers is, do you think they're going to be injured? There's nobody else you trade before Tristan McKenzie at this point because, unless they see something in somebody else's delivery, like he's the one you can project to be injured the next, just because of how he's built and his his past. Like, but I also don't want him to because I think Tristan McKenzie's going to rule, and I want him to be in Cleveland for a long time. Uh, Lamole at Fran Mill raises eyebrow. He said, "You trade from areas of strength. Ahmed would be moved and possibly packaged with somebody else for a player to fix a weakness. Our rotation and pen isn't as deep as it used to be, so I can see them moving. And this team without Eddie would be inept. I hope they resign him." I mean, Plutko is still their sixth starter. I don't know what we're talking about when they don't have a, saying they don't have a deep uh, bullpen or rotation, rather. Yeah, it's it's more unproven than in the past. I would say we we know it's deep just by looking at it and projecting into the future. But it's not like you have a guaranteed Kluber, Carrasco, Bauer, Clevenger kind of thing like they did for a while there. So I, I get the thinking that it's deep. I think the bullpen not being as deep is not uh, like Royals Review, the the Kansas City Royals site for SB Nation. They did a great review of Cleveland, and they also said that bullpen's deep. I don't get. Am I just overrating the top four of the bullpen, or does Cleveland actually have a really good bullpen that I'm not? The, yeah, do they, they not have, a have as good as a bullpen as I think? No, yeah, they, like everybody I, says they're they're not deep, but I don't get that. I, I think, think it, I think it's because people don't know these names, right? It's I right. mean, it's, people know Karen Check now because he's a psychopath. Yeah. Uh, they know Classic because he was suspended. Uh, they look at Phil Maton's numbers and don't realize that he's actually good. Um, and then Whitgren being your fourth best, pick, like, they don't have a bunch of guys who they don't. You know what it is? People assume either you have the you know the the Rays slash the, the Dodgers. Or else you have nothing. Like that is a deep bullpen. It's when you have seven guys who are potential like closer ace ass guys. And um, I don't think Cleveland has that. I think they have four guys that can potentially be that. But and with, with more on the way. But it's just you know the. I think the standards are higher than pe- people's personal standards are, are different than what is actually true. So yeah, because I would actually say this is like the deepest bullpen they've had in a long time. It's not oh, yeah. Shaw, Allen, Miller at the top, unless Karen Jack and Classe actually end up being better. But I mean, you have all these, like, you also got the starters that don't make it, like Scott Moss, Logan Allen. If Cal Quantrill doesn't isn't the starter, um, Adam Plutko maybe can be a decent reliever. Same hedges, so they're gonna have a bunch of arms back there, which I think a lot of people are underrating. Which again, unproven arms, but that's fine. I mean, that, that you you. A year ago, you could have told me that the Rays have a great bullpen. I would have named them. I don't know who any of these people are. Like, you know, I'm sure I did, but it's, you know, they're not. It's not like it's a bunch of former closers that they signed to just fill out their bullpen, like the Yankees or the Dodgers did. It's just it's a bunch of guys who are talented who you haven't heard of yet because they plucked them off the street because they're cheap and they let them go and they get expensive. So, yeah, I, I think I think you're right in saying they have a better bullpen than uh, people are giving them credit for. All right, Mayor. Uh, that'll do it for us this week if you're not already subscribed on spotify apple podcasts um, wherever you listen to podcasts go ahead and subscribe leave us a review let us know what you think of the show follow us um at matt i'm matt at matt rly on twitter merit is at merrill lunch like merrill lynch with lunch of course find let's go tribe at let's go tribe and on facebook and of course let's go tribe.com uh the discord if you go to let's go tribe on twitter it's in our profile you can click it there we have a trivia bot now we're working on it's going to be ridiculous and we'll have stuff to do there um, when the regular season starts, we'll have game threads you can talk about in there, and in addition to the ones on the actual website. So that's a lot of fun. Um, yeah. So there. Talk to you next week. I'll see you.